Uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Scoop. I'm your host, Frank Chaparro, editor-at-large at The Block, and we are here at SALT at the Javits Center. And a very uh, good friend of mine, Carl Jacob, is here joining us to talk about his project, HomeCoin, and of course, the bacon underpinning system that, that runs it. Now, before we dive in, I want to take a moment to thank our sponsors. Get ready for season three of the Tron Grand Hackathon 2022 with a total of $1.2 million in prizes across Web3, DeFi, GameFi, NFTs, and the newly added Academy and Ecosystem tracks. The wait is over. Tron Grand Hackathon presented by TronDAO. To learn more, visit trondao.org. This episode is also brought to you by Ledin. From Bitcoin and USDC savings accounts to Bitcoin-backed loans, Ledin's financial services enable you to benefit from your holdings today without selling your Bitcoin. Learn more about Ledin at ledin.io. Ledin, where your digital assets come to life. All opinions expressed by hosts and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and not necessarily those of the blocks. Podcast guests may have taken positions in the assets or other matters discussed in this podcast. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. For full terms, visit theblockcrypto.com slash terms dash service. All right. Once again, Carl Jacob is here joining us to talk about HomeCoin. It's a there's a stable coin here that's based on mortgages. And imagine that. Imagine that. Uh, you know, we, we, we've had some, well, we've been going back and forth so often just given everything that's happened with, with Terra Luna and, and all of the questions around the stability of, of stable coins. But let's start from the beginning. Um, first off, thanks for joining us on such short notice. Of course, thanks for having me. Such a, such a great conference. Yeah. I mean, I'm really enjoying it. It's so many friendly, familiar faces. Um, so I get an email about five or so, maybe, no, it was way longer than that. When was the last, it was Miami had to have been yeah. like six months ago. Yeah. Yeah. So I get this email and it was, the subject was stable coin based on mortgages. And I kind of just tweeted out the, uh, the subject line there and Twitter went crazy. <laughs> But they went crazy, and they they were they kind of memified the idea. And your people reached out and were like, "Listen, this is this is real. This is not, you know, some, you know, people." And this is what we talked about when we met. Mortgages since the financial crisis have have kind of like had like this very, um, you know, negative sort of vibe about them. Right. Right. And so, and then you have stablecoin and crypto. So you mix the two together and it's like, okay, this is crazy, but it's not crazy. No, no, I don't think it's crazy. Um, I mean, there's $13 trillion of them in the world. There's $3 trillion of mortgages on the balance sheet at the federal government. Certainly they've had their issues in the past, right? And a lot of those were fixed after 2008. But even in that time period, only about 10% of people stopped paying their mortgages, you know, which... It was bad for those that group of people, and it was really impactful at, at a consumer level. But if you look at a thirteen trillion dollar industry, that's not a huge chunk of what you know is impacting the stability of it for investors, right? And so when you think about mortgage, you think about two things: you think about the home itself; it's over collateralized, mm -hmm. right? So you borrow less than the home is worth. Mm -hmm. 
But the other part you think about is the payments, right? Those payments are what fuel the return for investors, unlike other stable coins, where the return is fueled by marketing dollars and a whole bunch of other things and things going to the moon. These are actually real payments from real people on houses that exist in the real world. And that's the kind of stability we think is going to support the next generation of stable coins. Okay, so let's just start at exactly how it works. What is Homecoin and, you know, yeah, where yeah. do you get the mortgages from, right. et cetera? Right. And why are they good or bad? Or, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, so you know, Homecoin is basically a coin on the Ethereum network that's backed by a pool of mortgages, mm-hmm. right? And so it's not, you know, the the idea there is, we're not trying to tokenize real world assets. We're just taking the liens on the homes and putting them on chain. And these are what we would call normal everyday mortgages. But in particular, these are mortgages that are underwritten to a specific guideline. And that guideline is called the Fannie Mae guideline. And that guideline is what the federal government uses to determine whether or not they'll use those mortgages. What a lot of people don't know is that most of those mortgages get turned into a bucket of assets Mm -hmm. that then Fannie Mae sells to other people and securitizes. So basically they say, hey, here's a bunch of mortgages. They're really good mortgages. We will back them with the federal government. If anything goes wrong, we will be the ones that will make the payments or, you know, Mm -hmm. return. Um, And so that bar is about the highest you can get. And so the way Homecoin works is that's what backs it, right? Is that a pool of mortgages underwritten to the same specifications that the federal government uses. And that we think is an important factor in all of this, right? It's like, it's not just a mortgage. It's the mortgage that underpins, well, you know, a lot of the federal government's uh, return, which is about $3 trillion of, of mortgages that sit on their balance sheet. The key thing to remember in our system is that the coin money flows in through the coin. Obviously, people buy it, right? And then we take that money and we use that money to buy mortgages and put them in a pool. And then when people repay those mortgages, the cash flow from those mortgages comes back to the coin holders that actually were the ones who put the money up in the first place. That's very different than the way the world works today. In the world today, if you put your money in a savings account, that bank goes out and lends that money out at 3% and gives you roughly 0.1, 0.2% return, whereas we're giving people you know, upwards of 5% return. And so because we're able to eliminate all those in between, places and and kind of like people taking a cut of the transaction, we're able to give people a much higher reward. What keeps the price stable one-to-one? Yeah, so that's a good question. Um, You know, normally in the world of stable coins, like you'd say, oh, here's this bucket of assets and Mm -hmm. we promise auditors say it's really what it is. Uh, In our world, what we do is we're stable against the liens on the homes. Mm -hmm. And so when we take out a lien on a home, say it's $50,000, that turns into $50,000 worth of asset backing the coin. And as I pointed out before, it's over collateralized. So let's say it's a $300,000 house and it's a $50,000 lien. That means that you still have a $300,000 house backing that $50,000 lien. Last tech, like not technical, but the last sort of like I guess you could say technical question I have is how do you kind of maintain supply and and demand? So if there's too many folks keen on getting um, some home coins, 
where do you and you can't get enough mortgages how do you balance that right out? so this this is part of what's changed and it's brand new right so what we did was we went from a world where we just said hey you can put your money in and we'll use it to fund mortgages and we have no idea whether or not you want to keep your money in for a day or for a year or for 10 years and so now we have what we call boosts and boosts allow you to put your money in and lock it up for 90 days to a year which gives us a much better signal as to what we should be using that money for in the case of a year boost, they also get the maximum return about 7% right now. And so that kind of aligning our interests with the interests of the community, and that's what allows us to do two things. One, get a better sense of how the money should be used, but two, let the AMM, the automatic market mm -hmm. maker, make better decisions, right? So currently the way the system works is that there's money that's kind of locked up over a longer period of time that we know we can use for... It's like a backstop. It's like a backstop, right, right. And it's also designed to overcome some of the issues we saw in the last six months, which is, you know, look, in a bear market, people want their money back and they want to go put it, well, you heard it on stage today, like in to hot dog stands and, mm -hmm. you know, real world money generating things, not on-chain things. And so we would need to know who those people are, not actually identify them, but we actually know want, need to know what they want done with their money. Right. So. What's going on with hot dog stands? Oh, so the idea now in a bear market is you want a cash flow business. Right? Ah, Sorry, it's our, it's our, we refer to it as like the idea that everybody's pulling their money out of markets to build cash flow businesses that in a bear market will give them cash flow versus putting their money into something that might drop 50 to 60 A friend of mine was talking about how he wants to put like $70,000 into a uh, food stand there on go. like Coney Island <laughs> that his brother would run. Is that a lot? I don't know. Um, it sounds like a lot. It sounds like a lot, but those trucks are probably expensive. Well, yeah, and I, and I think in some ways it's a reflection of also where, where we're coming, right? So now, now you have a real-world asset. It's not a hot dog stand, mm -hmm. uh, but it is a house, mm -hmm. right, or houses, right? And they are generating a return because people pay their mortgages usually first, and that's a way to kind of create a cash flow business that is basically somewhat on the blockchain and somewhat off the blockchain. And so that those hybrid type solutions, I think, are going to become more and more popular, particularly as blockchain goes mainstream. And that's what this conference effectively is all about. All these people who are kind of in real world assets today and the blockchain and how we can build something that is a hybrid of the two and is better than both of those were in the past. Now... Is there a potentiality where you, where, where you will do the financing yourself? Well, so it's interesting when you think about that. Will kind of bring bring it kind of more. It'll make it more seamless, right? If you're if you're sort of giving the mortgage, uh, you kind of maybe have more insight into what they're doing. Yeah, I, I think that's true. I think also for us. The job is to bring together the community to do that. And so the first step is how do we originate mortgages or effectively make a mortgage? And we do that and lots of other mortgage companies do that. There's about 1,300 of mm -hmm. them in the country and any one of them can join the project and submit loans to the protocol. Mm. It's really up to the DAO and the community around the coin, around HomeCoin, mm -hmm. to decide what loans go into that pool or not. And that's really how mortgage works in mm -hmm. the real world. People think that, oh, I go to a mortgage company or a bank and they give me the loan. Technically, that's not true. Technically, they say, here are the specifications that our investors will purchase that loan under. And 
you qualify or you don't. Mm -hmm. The mortgage company really doesn't have anything to do with that. So in the case of HomeCoin, that group of people buying the loans is people all around the world, right? Mm -hmm. Who have put money into to the protocol and ultimately the DAO that's going to decide, well, we do Fannie Mae specifications today. And that's the gold standard. Let's so who say. are these people? Are they are they experts in credit worthiness? Like what what sort of the Well, that's the interesting thing. They're not. And so that's why we started out with the Fannie Mae specifications. They don't have to be mm. experts. They just know, hey, this is what the federal government buys. However, in the future, you could imagine that the community would say, well, we did a pretty good job with Fannie Mae loans that are really conservative. Maybe we should be thinking about jumbo loans. So jumbo mm -hmm. loans are effectively outside of Fannie Mae's purview because the houses are way more expensive, say over $800,000. Um, the return is generally higher and they're generally pretty high quality. So that would be the next. And then the next step would be maybe car loans or you know loans against commercial equipment or what they call non-QM. And non-QM are mortgages that Fannie wouldn't buy. Um, so they're a little bit more risky. They're still over collateralized. Um, but maybe the borrower's credit score is lower mm -hmm. or maybe the home value, value is higher. But that's the future, right? You know, mm -hmm. we're just start starting kind of at this core level today. But the, the key behind what we're doing is that the community makes that decision. So if a coin holder, for instance, says, hey, I'm willing to buy home. I think that's a great idea on top of Fannie Mae mortgages. But with the new boosting system, we could create an, a new boost that was not just Fannie Mae mortgages, but you could lock up your money and say do non-QM or car loans or whatever they, they might be. And so the, the future is really let the community decide, you know, how much risk they're willing to take, but by being very explicit about what they're investing in and giving them choice. Get ready for season three of the Tron Grand Hackathon 2022. There are a total of $1.2 million in prizes up for grabs in Web3, DeFi, GameFi, NFTs, and the newly added Academy and Ecosystem tracks. So what are you waiting for? Join Tron for an opportunity to showcase your work, win funding for your project, and network with other builders in the community. Tron Grand Hackathon, presented by TronDAO. To learn more, visit trondow.org. I also want to give a shout out to Ledin. Ledin, Bitcoin-backed loans and savings by Bitcoiners for Bitcoiners. As we've seen, not all digital asset lenders are created equal. Ledin prioritizes safeguarding clients' assets with its robust risk management approach. That is why Ledin doesn't actively trade or invest in DeFi yield generation strategies with its clients' assets and only supports Bitcoin and USDC two of the highest quality and most liquid assets in the industry. Ledin is also dedicated to transparency, which is why they are the first digital asset lending company to complete a proof of reserves attestation. Learn more about Ledin at ledin.io. Ledin, where your digital assets come to life. How, um, how much of an impact could declining home prices have on HomeCoin? Right. Well, so the, all the loans are over collateralized. So that's the, the, the good part of it. And generally people keep paying their mortgages. So the payments will keep flowing. So I think over the last 30 days, we paid out about $37,000 mm -hmm. you know, worth of uh, payments to our coin holders um, from the people repaying their mortgages. From so the mortgages, it hasn't yeah. impacted us yet. 
Um, the declining home price thing, it's happened multiple times before. Mm-hmm. So the two things you think about are, well, would they ever drop below the over collateralization exactly. level? Exactly. When that's you, and that's the issue. So yeah. the nice thing is you have a distributed pool of mortgages across the country. So there's yeah. certainly pockets where that's you know home values are not going down as much, um, but housing tends to be pretty resilient as people have found in the past, right? And so to even 2008, which was the worst ever, you had a 10% default rate. Not not even talking about the fact that the loans you know were went under the value of the home. So let's say we've got a $100,000 lien on a $500,000 house. That means that $500,000 house would have to go down to, you know, $75,000 worth of value in order for the over the collateralization not to work and you couldn't sell it at that moment. Mm-hmm. And real estate is kind of one of those things that over time has generally been pretty stable and recovered relatively quickly. Not that it couldn't happen. But there's a lot of there's a lot of home uh, there's a lot of real estate bears out there. I feel like when I scroll through Twitter, there's a lot of doom posting about the real estate market. Absolutely, and that's why you invest in Fannie Mae mortgages that are you know <laughs> over collateralized and at a certain value and 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 highly distributed across the country. The other part to think about in all this is really well. So what's the what would happen, right? Well, if the housing market crumbles. Right, which you know we saw in two thousand and eight. Even in that scenario, right, um, most mortgages did pretty well through that, and people made a ton of money on the other side of it. So, uh, if you look at the federal government, they just kept holding mortgages and bought even more. So that's one: is that you know over time you're generally you're going to be okay. There's not a zero situation like you had with you know Terra and Luna and all that stuff. On the other side, rates are going up, mm-hmm. and that's really good for home coin and because the return goes up. And so it's basically this kind of interesting hedge against the market because as rates go up, mortgages are higher, mm-hmm. which means the payments are higher. So mm-hmm. we go from say 7% to 8% to 9%, 10% in a market where every other way of kind of generating return is going down, which is why the hot dog stand exactly. comment, right? I mean, is that as rates go up, I locked in at 2.5. There you go. Well, so, and that's, that's the interesting thing. So that's a really good point, right? Which is a lot of people locked in at 2.5%. Also, a lot of people would like to take a little bit of extra money out if they could, like if their home value goes up. And so in order to do that, like you'd have to such refund. a pain in the ass though. It's like you literally have to just do the mortgage process all over again. Yeah. Well, that's where the blockchain is awesome. So we did a product called Smart Locks. And mm-hmm. so it basically is a line of credit against your home. Uh, it's a second lien. Uh, it's at a higher rate, right? But you can do it in about 24 hours. What's the difference between that and like a HELOC? So HELOCs, unfortunately, are adjustable rate mortgages. Mm-hmm. So if rates keep going up, you're going to keep paying more. Ours are fixed rate. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other is that they tend to be something that you draw down all at once mm-hmm. because of all the fees versus be able to draw down and pay back over time. Ours, you can draw down and pay back over time. Got it. And what's like the regulatory, um, you know, oversight over something like that? Like, do you, do Same you- as we always do. So as, as you know, and we talked about, you know, early on, 
Uh, we're a highly regulated mortgage company. Uh, we've got licenses in the different states that we practice in, and we're audited all the time. In fact, we're probably going through. We're an being audit. audited right now. Oh, I was just going <laughs> to say we literally are being audited. I mean it, that, but that's normal in our world because that's the price you pay for being an entry into the market and being a, a good player, and also being someone that's trustworthy both for consumers on the one side and home coin holders on the other side. And it's just part of doing business. And that's where I think the real world and blockchain world being combined in a hybrid is really interesting. So how, how what is the power of the blockchain there in, in extending that credit? Um, what, you could have never built easier? a smart lock product with without the blockchain. It, it's just, so let's look at HELOCs. It take, took the industry about two years to invent the HELOC product yeah. and ship it. Uh, right now, if you look at the current environment, the number of people offering HELOCs is very, very limited and prices are super, And even super the people high. who, you know, say they're offering it, it's like... Yeah, really, they're trying to get you to refinance. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a lie. Yeah, and, and it's so... A, it's, such a, it's such a scam. Yeah, and we could have never built... The, the products without the blockchain because the speed at which we could do that and we basically built a smart lock product in, in a couple of weeks and, are, and we're offering it to consumers you know the following week. Got it. So what do you think about um, when you think about the future of stable coins? What does it look like? Are, are algorithmic stable coins a thing of the past? Are they maybe going to make a comeback? Um, That's a really good question. I, 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 I'm sure algorithmics will will try again, mm -hmm. right? Uh, I think that our bar is a lot higher for stable coins than it used to be. And I think that there are a couple of things that we're looking to see or the community is looking to see. I think the number one thing is transparency. Mm -hmm. It's not okay to, hey, my auditors say it's good or um, I promise we've got this much Bitcoin or whatever, um, people have said in the past, people are going to want to see it on chain. So what we do is we put the liens on the homes actually on the chain. Every time we put an asset backing our pool or backing our coin, um, we put that asset on the blockchain. So you can inspect it and you can run your own analysis. You can say, well, maybe those houses aren't distributed enough or maybe the home value is too high or too mm. low or whatever it might be. Whatever decision point you want to use, you can use. But it's auditable by everyone not just by Arthur Anderson, right? Mm. And I think that's super important. So transparency, number one. I think number two is what we call durable return. So let's stop thinking about return for the next 20 days or next month or next two months. Let's think about the next the return for the next 30 years. Like what are these return windows? Like how long are these returns going to last? And what are the agreements underneath all these, you know, different assets that would power that? without marketing dollars or governance tokens or, you know, incentives, as they used to call them. Uh, I think the other is decentralized. And so I think the, the idea here is like, it's not good enough to say, hey, all our, you know, uh, assets are in this bank or that bank or whatever it might be. I think they have to be decentralized either around the country or around the world. In our case, we're decentralized because houses are all over the country, and we work really hard to make sure that when we fund homes, we're thinking about like how they should be separated out physically. Um, decentralized down to the county, as we were just talking mm -hmm. about, the fact that the lien is actually held at the county level. Yeah, you have to navigate the, the right. thousands of municipalities. And that's a real pain in the ass, but I think it's really worth it because that system was already decentralized. Yeah. And taking advantage of real-world decentralized systems into the blockchain, I think, is one of the key ways we're going to integrate these these two worlds. Um, 
And and I think, you know, the the, the last thing on the stablecoin thing I think is you know really at, at the end of the day thinking through kind of how the system does payments, right? And so if you think about payments that flow through our system, so there's a person somewhere in the you know in the United States who's repaying their mortgage and that money is going back, you know in fiat and then being converted into home coin somewhere. Um, that's for most of them because most people want to repay their mortgages in fiat. That's, they don't want to know about the blockchain. And, and a lot of people who use our system don't care and don't know about the blockchain. I wish I could pay my mortgage in worthless NFTs. Well, be really- I, I can't help you with that. Um, <laughs> but we do have two people that pay their entire mortgages uh, from their wallet. Oh, so, wow. so payments never touch a financial institution. Dude, who are those guys? That's crazy. Those must be like the most crypto native people in the universe. Well, it's funny. Actually, one of them uh, is uh, works for the government. He's oh. was part, part of the special forces. And, wow. and so he came to us and he said, hey, this is really cool. And I want to get my loan funded this way. But what I'd really like is to be able to repay from my wallet. From my wallet, and I don't want to have to think about it, particularly when he's on deployment. Wow, that's fantastic. Um, that's a way never to miss your mortgage payment. <laughs> so, you talked about how this isn't—you know—made it very clear that this isn't tokenizing real-world assets. This right. isn't—you're not taking the mortgages and tokenizing them, right? Or making them NFTs, which some people have done. Um, do you think that's overrated? I remember when I think back to when I first started covering the market, well, a little bit into it, 2018, when we were just getting into the bear mm -hmm. period, um, it was STOs. And there were right. all these companies out there that were trying to you know, tokenize college dorms and luxury apartments, and it never really took off. In fact, many of those companies kind of, kind of collapse. Failed, I'm thinking yeah. of Harbor as an example. Right. Um, Securitize is, seems to be doing fine. But it, it it never really like hit that sort of inflection point. So I, that's my summary. But do you think, I would say clearly somewhat, it was certainly overrated then, but is it overrated now? A hundred percent it's overrated. And it's overrated for a really simple reason. If you look at mortgages and all the legal stuff you go through and the regulatory stuff you go through. The reason for that is those contracts have been tested in the court of law over mm. and over again. I mean, when you have to take someone's house from them, that's a very serious thing, mm -hmm. right? And that enforcing that loan is, there's a high bar. Um, unfortunately for these other projects, none of those contracts have been tested in the court of law. Mm. So let's take a simple example. Let's tokenize a house, mm -hmm. uh, put it in an LLC, right? And sell shares. Okay. All right. So I'm the home person, the person living in the home. Okay. And so now the rest of the people who are in the LLC, they're like, Hey, let's sell it. We got an offer. Well, everybody in the LLC wants that to happen except the person living in the house. So how do you go to court and figure that out? I mean, they're just an LLC owner, so they have a say as to how much they own of the LLC, but they also live in the house. Mm. And we've got a lot of laws in this country for protecting people who live in their houses. And none of those are around for LLCs who own houses. So I, I, I'm hopeful 
that we will get to a world where everything's on chain and the whole mortgage process is on chain, and that would be wonderful. But the reality is we've got a $13 trillion industry that isn't on chain. And how can we kind of move to a world where part of it is on chain and slowly eat that world versus trying to swallow it whole, which mm. is, is basically what those guys are trying to do. That's interesting. But okay, what about instead of, you know, looking at it from the perspective of a mortgage, I'm trying to build a, you know, frank luxury apartment mm -hmm. and I want to crowdfund through uh, some form of a token raise. Is that that's a really interesting conversation with the SEC. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the thing is that, you know, when we think about this, like mortgages are this asset class that is state-based, that is, you know, not regulated by the federal government, mm -hmm. not regulated by the SEC. And mm -hmm. that's the area that, that we are focused on. This other area, which is taking physical assets and splitting them up into little pieces and selling those off, that's almost the definition of a security. Mm. Right? And so I think that's the other area is, wow, okay, so you know, now we're doing something that actually the SEC says we do govern this, right? This is part of our purview, and we don't think that's a place we want to play. Mm, got it. They, yes, they wanna, I've, I've read about tokenized REITs as well. Um, so what are you most excited about? What, what, what's the horizon looking like? Well, I think it was a good conversation you had today at the, at the panel. Like, you know, what does the future look like? This is a bear market. I, I think just like it was in 99, 2000, this mm -hmm. is a chance to rebuild and basically look back and see the mistakes that were made and build systems that are designed to be resilient to them. Mm. And if you look at what happened after 99, 2000, we got an incredible 10-year boom, right? And I think we're looking at the same thing right now. However, if we continue to look back and say, oh, well, we should just tweak this thing or we mm -hmm. should just, we can just take the way we did stable coins before and they'll be fine. Don't worry. We'll just have lots of banks mm. where we put the money. We just won't have a couple of banks. I think those are the ones that are going to fail in the long run. I think we've had our first real test of the system in the sense that real money was involved and kind of like more consumers and more people who, I mean, today you saw- That Quebec I mean, pension fund, oh my God. Right, uh, and you saw today in the, you know, at Salt Fund, half the people there said, I have a crypto wallet. That was pretty smart of me to ask. That was a very smart that? question, yeah, yeah. I, I was shocked, I thought maybe 10%. I thought it'd be way less. I think maybe there were some people who thought we were talking about- 100%. Weather, uh, leather wallets. Um, well, I did have a friend of mine, I, we, they were talking about the fact that they couldn't believe they were using you know, old school telegram in, in the Ukraine for the war. I'm like, they don't mean that telegram. <laughs> That's hysterical. That's absurd. Um, yeah, it was funny though. The the title of the of the panel was certainly very optimistic uh, about crypto spring. And Amy, who was on the panel, said she had she has one tomorrow at another event where it's uh, it was just the most negative title for a panel. It was in the depths of like crypto bear market winter death spiral, you know, where do we go? And this one was, well, crypto, we're in crypto spring now. <laughs> you know, we just have to, if, if we will it, it will be. Well, uh, this is when great stuff gets built, right? Yeah. I mean, this is when all the tourists leave and the real people build. And, and that's, that's where the real opportunity is. Yeah. Well, enjoy your building. 
Once again, we've been joined today by our guest, Carl Jacob at HomeCoin. Thank you so much for joining us. You bet. Happy that this finally happened. Where can our listeners learn more about what you and your team are doing? The two best places are homecoin.finance and goloansnap.com. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank you. The Scoop will be back for you again with another great guest. Have an awesome day.